The Wolf and Bull podcast was prepared, conducted, and hosted by the Wolf and Bull team in their personal capacity. This podcast is for expressive listening entertainment, and any views, ideas, or opinions may or may not extend past the boundaries of this podcast. Conversations or specific comments on behalf of the hosts and guests are for entertainment purposes only. Due to language and potentially offensive topics, listener discretion is advised. Podcast. I am one of your hosts, The Wolf. And I am the other one. Oh, no. I got to start that damn thing over. We got to start over. You got to start all over again. He's the bull. And I am Beowulf. (laughs) You know, normally I'd want to. I'd want to cut it out, but that I was actually were going hilarious, to. and I'm thinking of keeping it in because that's quite funny. Yeah. Well, but if, if you don't, because then of pus. I am the bull. Mm. There we go. There we go. You got it. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And it is surprise, surprise, the 75th episode of the Wolf and Bull podcast. We have been going almost as long as our dear. POTUS, uh, hopefully uh, much longer. Um, and with that being said, if you like to become, if you want to become the part that we all appreciate and love, the family of the Wolf and Bull, you can by finding us on Instagram. You can also find us on YouTube. Our episodes come out every Thursday on audio platforms across the world, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And additionally, we are also releasing videos on Fridays on YouTube and Rumble. Subscription mm-hmm. would be greatly appreciated. I'll Absolutely. name my firstborn child after your username. That is not in the big, contract, but Big sure. Wiener Johnson Force Twenty. That is that is the name. <laughs> that's, the, that's the name of the child. How is everybody doing? Rusty intro as you per usual. I'm doing great. I'm feeling very rusty actually. Rejuvenated, refreshed. Mm. And why would that be, Bale? I think that's because we just came off of a beautiful vacation away from home. We were away. Away. There was <laughs> still an episode like last week, but how yes. did that happen? Magic. magic. It is. It's magic. 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 And magic. And I think the last episode was about extending one's life. Mm. It was. Yeah. Right. And I think the best medicine. You should go back and listen to that if you haven't already. See it. Listen to it. It's on right now. It's getting. It's getting. Uh, I'm sure it will get lots of comments it certainly should it was mm. a very exciting fun thing to talk about but i think the best thing to increase your longevity in this world is a few days relaxing on a beach i say that once a month the best medicine yeah once a month holy crap you know not everyone not everyone can be as an exciting unless person as you i can't do that. your kidding. mantra is life's yeah. a beach and then you're there all the time true true i, I, I used to be but then i moved to the desert and if your mantra is life's a beach, it's very similar. Yeah. If your mantra is life's a beach, you're likely an alcoholic. 
So uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, leave that statement. Well, said that as I... As we all drink alcohol. Cheers. Yeah, five cheers. Five o'clock somewhere. It is five o'clock here. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is wow. somewhere. About, yeah. Wow. It is exactly. actually five o'clock. Exactly. because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a magician. I you am are a, a magician. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here all week, you know, all day. Wolf usually doesn't be able to read time until the moon is up. That is true. Yeah. I'm a werewolf. Yeah. Well, uh, everyone's week's going great. Uh, I don't know if there's anything we should say um, outside of that. We could segue right into the monologue. Happy um, early Thanksgiving. I think. Yeah. Or I guess Thanksgiving because this will be out after on Thanksgiving and, and or on Thanksgiving. We should say that these are opinions that we have today because if they were actually facts and statements and not just opinions that we have about certain things, then we'd be then CNN. we could be scored down. We'd be seeing it. We don't want to be scored other than. Top pre, top tier, top priority. We want to set the standard for all others on ethical and moral standards. You we know, should have recorded on vacation. I feel so rusty. Clearly, we we're just we're we're well, say, we're somebody slothing. Brought, somebody we're going through this. We're slothing. We're slothing through this. So the sloth is not here today. Well, not today. I know my intro was kind of slothian. I, I really thought you broke there for a second. Well, I did, but I also thought you were going to cut and start over, so I no. didn't think it was a big deal. Instead, kind of you just rode with it because you like kind of to funny. put up these it's little kind of memes of it's the bull put like, a wandering aimlessly in the field. Of a little bull walking like across the feet, like the screen. It's you be great. know, I think this topic today is going to be a good segue into Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. So if you're someone who really has a strong opinion on this one way or another, it's a really good idea to bring this up at the topic tonight, when you're, <clears> or at the topic, at the table tonight. Uh, really, Probably really not. get the get the blood boiling at the table. Probably Some not. fights get a, get over an the extra mashed scoop potatoes, of cranberry. Slap yeah. it on that turkey. Rub it in. Say, what's and your opinion? <laughs> what's your opinion on ESG? That's all you need to say. You know what most people are going to say, and they're going to say MSG. Is there any MSG in this food? <laughs> You know, wow. That. wow, the puns are Good still try. here. They're still here. Uh, well, I'm going to jump in the segue because both of you dropped jump a very... the segue or the monologue? Both. I'm going to segue into the... I'm going to jump into the segue okay, and then my monologue. Shake it, shake it. Shake yeah. the rust off. Yeah, see, see, exactly. We, we should have recorded. Everyone's loving it. Yeah, go for it. Hey, and by great. the way, anybody that doesn't have an opinion on this subject needs to get one. I don't think people because this know is, about it. Because this is coming at... It's been around, but the... Um, Uh-oh. No, no, not, not broken, not broken. Just thinking through. I was either going to say este, you know. But it's coming out of people fast. It's going to hit you yes. right in the face. Yes. Bottom line. Yeah, it is. And that's uh, on that note, that is exactly what she said. Hello. How are you? Can I empathize with you today? Can we move forward together? Holding hands towards a future where everyone's well-being, existence, and success is thought of by everyone, everywhere, all the time. You see, I believe in positive mental attitude. In so much as I pretend that I can unilaterally exist amongst the Borg of like-minded people who have all gotten their perspective from from a Tony Robbins cereal box, I empathize with you. I'll support you. I'll believe in you. Until you do something that I'd prefer you don't do, like think for yourself. In today's corporate world, there's an extreme desire to be everything up to and including a place of work for your employees. Many companies have work retreats, bonuses, unlimited time off, special speakers, alcohol. Hell, I'm surprised there isn't a monthly fee for being a part of your workplace religion. The sky is literally the limit because corporate America has become the ultimate helicopter parent. Ironically, the same seems to hold true with our social betters in the federal government. 
The innate social pressure of resisting to have children has in turn created a nanny-like state think tank of entitlement, privilege, hypocrisy, cyclical, and often nonsensical belief systems. The civic responsibility of care for your fellow countrymen has been replaced with broad, all-encompassing slogans of corporate social responsibility or environmental social governance. The idea of character and intelligence has been replaced with carefully and curated nonsense like intelligent quotient and emotional intelligence, both of which mean absolutely nothing if you ignore the contextual control schemes behind them. In each of these ideologies, there's, there are hidden mantras that are inescapable, and that's an issue. Emotional intelligence, for example, discusses one's ability to empathize with others, but you fundamentally cannot empathize with someone if you have not been in their exact circumstance. Yet, if I were to sympathize for someone, those exact people would consider my sympathy a threat to their positive worldview. For a last and final example, how about courage? People with high emotional intelligence exhibit courage, except they don't because they fall in line behind the largest government overreach and transition of wealth in the history of humanity. All of these freely socially constructed rule books are merely a means of control. Success doesn't exist in a vacuum, neither does emotional capability, civic duty, and doing what's right. What I've found in most cases is that these researched views are merely a form of soft oppression in order to peacefully generate results for the very people who created these rules, yet don't follow them themselves. Mm. Poignant. You know, I struggled through that one. That was rusty as hell. I would tell you, usually I say, hey, that was a very good job. I really, and I mean it every time. That was rough. That was your best one. Oh, well, thank you. That was absolutely, I I, I don't mean you didn't have a couple of stumbles there. We all do. I certainly do when I introduce myself, <laughs> but but you hit on kind of one of my biggest pet peeves in the world. Mm. It's this it's this cyclical nature of the people that are in power creating the circumstances to generate kind of a um, perception from the masses to think that, to make the masses think that something good for them is happening. At the same time, while it's benefiting only one segment of our society. Yeah, it's three-card money. And, okay, simplify it down to that. It is. It's a shell game. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a natural way to see through some of this stuff. But I think most people either are not aware because of the lack of this information being disseminated properly or they're in an apathetic state, um, you know, consumed by other technologies that keep them and we'll discuss that a little bit to keep them occupied otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I mean, I think this was for our listeners. The reason why we're talking about this today is one, because it's interesting and two, because I think uh, corporate social responsibility and specifically uh, environmental uh, social corporate governance, because that's the actual name for it. I think they're tied together. I think one is a precedent to the other. And, I am not here to say that both are bad because I think there are positives to some of these things. With that being said, I do think there is a miscommunication um, on behalf of those who create these rules for us because that's what they're doing um, to explicitly state that some of their um, decided like adamantly decided strategies are not as uh, clear as they claim they be. That makes sense. Um, so, yeah, Beowulf, Be- you've been silent over there. What, what, what do you think? I mean, ES- 
Thank you. I need some monologue music. Uh, ESG stuff is growing, and it will continue to grow. And I know I've been talking, I was talking to you earlier today about the CSOs, the new really great chief officer position you can get at a company, basically your chief sustainability officer. Mm-hmm. And your whole job is to manage these big, lofty, n- noble, but oftentimes a little little pie-in-the-sky goals for a company. Yeah. Usually a company that has little to nothing to do with these kind of goals. Mm-hmm. Their main priority as a company is to sell something so you have to look at these types of things as oh is this a PR move yeah. or is it actually their goal as a company is to change the climate PepsiCo I'm sorry I don't think their goal as a company is to make sure that we don't have you know massive hurricanes yeah yeah that may be you a know, hot take well but see that's where Beowulf might be incorrect because here at PepsiCo we believe in Passing on the social, well, passing on the sociabilities, the social sociabilities, which is social responsibility, which I created just right now, uh, to our founding fathers, not to the people after us, because we believe that we can pass guilt backwards, just like we can believe passing climate change can go backwards too, because we well, don't know anything about science. A lot of companies are doing things for in, entirely, and you said PR, which is interesting, but it also reflects something that goes to the bottom line. Well, sure. I mean, and this, this is all profit motive. It's 100%. Profit motive. Or, or it's, it's control dis- motive. Distraction, profit motive, balancing the equation between what you have. PepsiCo is a great example. What the hell is that? Right? Didn't Kendall Jenner what, what, solve... What is PepsiCo? Didn't Kendall Jenner it's solve... the second largest uh, beverage company in the, in the yeah, world. But didn't she but solve what racism? what is the beverage? Think about that a second. Sugar. Love. Syrup. It's, it's sugar, syrup, and water. Well, my, my point is, I, I truly don't think that the majority of people who are maybe like, say, for example... Let's say, take the CSO of PepsiCo, since I'm picking on them today. I don't think, I can't remember his name Kendall right now. Kendall Jenner. I read an article Kendall about Jenner. him today. It's not Kendall, it's, Jenner. It's not it's Kendall, Kendall Jenner. Jenner. Go ahead. But I read an article about him today, and mm-hmm. I'm just picking on him because he's fresh on my mind. I don't think that he necessarily has bad intentions here. Mm-hmm. Not at all. I think ESG goals are great, but I also think the bottom line is more important than... Yeah. sacrificing your entire profits for Trust the betterment me. of humanity. Trust me, none of these companies would do any of this stuff unless it translated into either maintaining or growing their bottom line. Yeah, it's true. There is no other motive for a company. Companies are just entities yeah. in whichever state they're in. You are you going to turn off this music? Anytime? No, you know what's really funny? You know what's really funny? Is you could say anything over this music and I am about to buy 500,000 stocks in your company. I can well, isn't that what well, it comes well, down here's, to? Here's the thing: is I could come out on stage and I could be like, "Welcome you know, everyone you know to I the latest, the latest research on how all of you in the audience have terminal cancer," and every single one of them, you know, the solve might be stoked on it because of this music. You know what the solve for that terminal cancer is? ESG, more lycopene, PepsiCo. And what comes from lycopene? Where does lycopene come from? Sugar it's predominant? No, tomatoes. tomatoes. My favorite Maco. brand ever. We really forcing this? The Tomato what, Wellness Council. Okay. Yeah. Just well, saying. Wellness, tomatoes. Like no, but, but what my point was, I, I, I don't I have totally think, lost it. I'm just yeah, singing along I know, with this I know. tune now. See, I told you. I, yeah. I don't think ESG, environmental social governance, I, these goals that these corporations are putting out there, because now they're they're putting them together. And so like 
investors, stock, you know, shareholders, they can actually research all of this. The, the idea is to be more visible yeah. clarity here in who well, you invest. And I don't even think that's necessarily a bad thing. It's just, I think you have to understand as someone who's a potential shareholder of a public company that this is not necessarily about the noble cause. Let me read you something here. Well, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait wait a second here. Okay. Yeah, we're rusty. We are jumping way ahead here. Okay. Because I, I, what do you mean we're jumping ahead? You got a whole train of information coming. I do. This is just, it's a train, a little, you know, little something to a box. Let the bull talk. It's a train on a path to a beautiful field. And above that field is a sun. And that sun is actually a baby. And in the baby's hand, is a bottle of Pepsi. That's how we solve it, guys. That's how we solve all the problems in the world. We have everyone drink Pepsi, and we can all harmonize together. There used to be a song from Pepsi. I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. Or is that Coke? Wow. That's definitely Coca-Cola. We're turning off the what, music what, now. The real what thing. is the, the little bit you would I, I, like to no, share you were, You're talking about CSOs. Sustainability yes. officers, yes. right? Yes. So the the funny thing I you know and I, I look we can talk about almost any subject in the world and you end up qualifying its baseline by follow the money, right? Yeah. yeah. Corporations do not make decisions for the betterment of society unless it betters themselves too. Yeah. Right. Either in comparison to competition, mm-hmm. or within their own structure of their own motivation to move their business forward in whatever manner possible and then you talk about most of these large companies are public companies mm-hmm. well and, and there's a public aspect to that 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 we will get talking to but but let me just read this real quick the value of sustainability reporting research has shown that investing in sustainability reporting has a potential to increase financial performance attract new customers and investors engage employees increase innovation and give companies a competitive advantage this comes from the Boston College Center for Corporate Citizenship, okay. mm. which has resources and tools that you need to determine what framework you'll work on, blah, 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 blah. Basically, what it's saying is, look, there's three, three parts to this. If you have value and sustainability within a company, you're, you're looking for financial benefits, business benefits, or, sh- or stakeholder benefits. And that breaks down to several different things, but they all come down to the bottom line is, can I borrow more money? Can I make more money? Can I have less variability in my budgeting process for my employees, my stakeholders, all that kind of thing? That's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anybody that believes that these corporations are suddenly turning into these wonderful philanthropist companies, they're full of shit. They don't know what they're talking well, about. Well, think about it. Sorry, just real fast, Wolf. That's okay. Real fast. That's fine. I'm just going to, we're starting over. I'm joking. joking. No, uh, think about it. These are all public companies, right? A Mm -hmm. public company has an obligation to shareholders to grow. Not all of them. The whole point. Not all of the public. No, okay. I know. I'm speaking of PepsiCo and companies like that that are public. They have an obligation to To grow. To stakeholders. Yes. And that means... If stakeholders who are only concerned with their shares going up in value. Well, here's the problem. A stakeholder encompasses a shareholder, but a shareholder is not a stakeholder. That is correct. Stakeholder is society, it's community, it's government, 
It's anybody that can hold you to account for the mistakes that you've made that they have tied to some ethereal rules that they made up this last year. That's really what it is. Yeah, that, that's a big differentiation and it's important, a important to talk about because shareholders just simply means you own a very sliver of whatever it is we're talking about. So right? but, to her point, <coughs> to Beowulf, to your point, Beowulf, the shareholders are what should matter mm-hmm. the most out of all the things. But the problem right now, and our listeners and viewers may or may agree, may not or may agree with me, those things have flipped. The stakeholders have become the primary focus. And that's why ESG, and eventually, as we'll discuss in a second, uh, corporate social responsibility have become issues because they have trended from having good intentions to being invasive and ultimately economically debilitating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Big words. I, I, I think you're you're right on track here. And we should we should get into some of your notes and start discussions because we could go off in a million directions and I have plenty to say about all the directions we can go. Yeah. But I want to I want to be clear from my position that I think in companies for as long as they've existed have looked both externally and internally to try to develop systems, processes, patterns, etc. to try to sustain more effective, more efficient ways of producing what they are, what they do. Yeah. And that includes sustainability issues that that actually uh, are things that that company is supposed to be part of, yeah. right? If you're making a widget over here and it has nothing to do with that sustainability goal over there, you shouldn't have to deal with that mm-hmm. in, in one aspect. But that's all getting conflated now. We'll talk about that. Oh, it's, well, it's later. being politicized, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But I think one thing we should address before diving into ESGs, I think we should talk about its predecessor, which I believe to be corporate social responsibility. Now, for our listeners and our viewers, corporate social responsibility initially began to take shape in the 1950s, specifically in 1953. Uh, but the framework for it has been around, according to some, for almost two centuries. Now, concern for society on behalf of corporations began specifically in the Industrial Revolution, uh, which was a time worthy of criticism. It was obvious at the time, specifically to like the mid to late 1800s, uh, that working conditions, worker safety, and employment of women and children in the emerging factory system was becoming a disturbing problem. Many reformers during that time saw that these bad working conditions and employment practices were leading to social problems, poverty, and potential labor unrest. Now, Philanthropy at that time also began. Uh, cue the large donations from Andrew Carnegie, a man w- that was known for donating large portions of his wealth to education and scientific causes, and John D. Rockefeller, gosh, I can't talk today, uh, who also donated more than half a billion dollars in the 1800s to religious, educational, and scientific causes. Now, on a side note, I would like to point out to some people how much half a billion dollars in the 1800s actually is. It is quite astonishing. Mm-hmm. For Literal comparison, $1 in the 1800s for buying power equates to $23.56 today. If my math is correct, it might not be because I am not a biologist. <laughs> Half a billion dollars that time would equate to roughly $11,700,000,000 or 
dollars today. I almost said thousand dollars, which was a lot more than that. Um, in buying power, which would net you the Miami Marlins, which is nine hundred and eighty million dollars. It would also net you the most expensive house in America, called the One. That is so stupid. Uh, which has twenty rooms, thirty bathrooms, a thirty-six seat movie theater, a bowling alley, a thirty-car garage, and a one hundred thousand square foot nightclub in your home. And that house is five hundred million dollars. Because whoever buys that is madly in love with their mirror, oh, their reflection. Uh, like you could also get some exquisite art, like a Salvatore Mundi, which recently sold in November of 2017 for $450.3 million, or a Picasso for $179 million. Uh, you could get a super yacht, which is about $600 mil- million, And then you could also buy a private island in the Bahamas. And you could also buy buckingham palace which is roughly equated to about two billion or six or five billion between that no one's quite sure because the queen is no longer around so they don't know who to ask i don't Um, know if she's well the family's willing to sell if you gave them that money they probably would be but with that being said you could buy all of those things and still have anywhere from three to six billion dollars left over that's how much money Super alien lizard hybrid evil Satanist John D. Rockefeller gave to film traffic. It's just enough for extra guac on your Chipotle well, bowl. Yeah. You wanna you wanna think a little bit about why he did what he did. Because he's evil. Well apparently. There's there's some quotes that are um, denoted to him. I don't have it off the top of my head, but but basically he wanted the educational system to be there for the masses to create what? Workers. A bunch of people who Workers. he could boss around. Workers. Workers. Yeah. Same not, thing. Not people yeah. that think. People who people work. People that work. And nothing has changed. And that's that's what he, and I don't blame him for that. If you think about where his position was, Carnegie, him, others, where what position they were in, they were at the top of this industrial revolution making bazillions of dollars. What did they need? They need freaking workers, man. Yeah. They That's what they, they needed. They could have founded AI then. Are you a but, Rockefeller apologist? So, so here, here's, yeah, right. Me. So ironically enough, even though I've given uh, Rockefeller a lot of uh, kudos for how much money he gave away, because that is an ungodly amount of money he gave to charity. Um, ironically enough, this is also when Karl Marx's belief of Marxism and socialism came into existence. Are they connected? Maybe. But that is probably for another episode. But with that being said, there was a specific catalyst when it came to corporate social responsibility. Now, the father of CSR, who founded it in 1953, his name is Howard Bowen, and he published something called Social Responsibilities of the Businessman in the 1970s, which brought about the proliferation of CSR. In 1971, according to thomasnet.com, the concept of the social contract between businesses and society was introduced by the Committee of Economic Development. This contract brought forward the idea that companies function and exist because of the public consent, and therefore there is an obligation to contribute to the needs of society. In 79, Archie Carroll, creator of the Carroll's Pyramid of CSR, speculated that the social responsibility of business encompasses the economic legal, ethical, and discretionary expectations that society has of organizations at a given point in time. By the 1980s, CSR evolved into a soft version of what it is today, with businesses incorporating social interest in their business practices while becoming responsive to stakeholders, not shareholders, Mm. if that makes sense. In 1986, William C. Frederick, one of the founders of CSR, claimed that the the fundamental idea of corporate social responsibility is that business corporations have an obligation to work for social betterment on a side note frederick believed in four types of csr 
The first one was corporate social responsibility. The second one was corporate social responsiveness. The third one was corporate social rectitude. And the fourth one, he proposed this to be consciousness. So cosmos, science, and religion. He wondered if the last version was a bridge too far, stretching beyond the reach of or interest of CSR scholars, but he argued that it will depend on the intellectual and philosophical flexibility of the CSR inquiry, and only the future will tell. So, uh, he's no longer with us, so I can say this about him. I think he might have been crazy. With that being said, there's clearly a little bit of an overreach with some of these things, because I have always believed that corporations much like in some of the tax filing statuses, are separate entities from the individuals that own them. With that being said, I find it completely ironic that we treat these organizations like one would treat their fellow countrymen and that we hold them to expectations that are in flux. From a legal standpoint, they are. Mm -hmm. In, I don't know if this is all 50 states, but I know in most, they are considered legal entities separate from the individuals that own them with the same rights and or responsibilities as an individual. Which is why sometimes when employees sue a company, they also sue the owner. Well, so here's, here's, well, here's what I think is interesting about that because you've made a good point there. In what world is an individual single person expected to be able to handle every single social problem Within the world, but that's okay. You know what I'm getting at? There's one thing. There's a difference between this this engaging topic about corporations and ESGs and what individuals responsible for. It's one is not responsible for more than the other, and that's that's where I think this thing is evolving to. And we'll Mm -hmm. get to that discussion from it's going from business to social. And it's being done in this country specifically because the government is not constitutionally allowed to do so. And we'll, we'll I'm sure we'll talk about we that will. as well. Yes. But ESG and in uh, CSR, in CSR, CSR, honestly, it's been around for a very long time. I've, I've well, known about it for a very long time. Specifically yeah. the 50s. Uh, it, all my lifetime and more. Uh-huh. And really, it's been kind of a footnote. Well, for most companies in their annual reports. Here's the problem, it, though, because you say it's a footnote. Well, but, but, but well, let, let me say, I'm not saying it's unimportant. I'm just saying that it's it was designed for a corporation, an entity, to do things within its own framework, with its own parameters, to correct things, primarily for the benefit of the employees. It's it's like originally. A, a so, yeah, originally. It's like a soft union-esque kind mm-hmm. of application to make sure you like you said in the early industrial revolution you don't want children and, mm-hmm. and people that are the, the over being overworked and asked to do things not asked told to do things that is is going to get them in harm's way well here's the thing that's how it started mm-hmm. right and i think that's a great idea you want to protect your employees you want workers according to john d rockefeller that are never ending that you can teach to work like a hive mind mm indefinitely at PepsiCo. I knew the music was For if you can't pay them enough money or give them enough health care, you can give them Pepsi. And Pepsi, as we know, inevitably solves all health problems by ending your life. By the way, I love the term hive mind. It is, like a board. It comes from bees. Yeah. Right? So... But... but, It's similar. Did you... Did you... 
Did you guys see this thing recently about what bees do to, to giant hornets that are trying to kill them? Yeah. Yeah, where they like hive around them and then they, pull them apart? No, they, they hive around them. And these are these are hornets that try to kill them. They go into their hives, try to kill them. The bees form a ball around them, and then they start flapping their wings to heat up the core oh, yeah. inside them, and it oh. literally fries the hornet wow. inside them without killing themselves. Interesting. That's that's a that's the Borg, man. Yeah. That's the collective. Well, and that's what we all did in response to critical thinking in the last two years. Um, so in 1991, this is when CSR nice specifically kind of changed. And uh, I want to make it very clear to our listeners and our viewers, I am not making an argument against uh, what would be considered the original perspectives of corporate social responsibility. What I am making an argument against is what it currently is today. With the University of Pittsburgh professor Donna J. Wood, she published Corporate Social Performance Revisited, which expanded and improved on early CSR models by providing a framework for assessing the impacts and outcomes of CSR programs, according to thomasnet.com. Also in 1991, University of Georgia Archie B. Carroll published his article, The Pyramid of Corporate Social Responsibility, expanding upon areas he believed were crucial when implementing CSR in an organization. By 2000, Wells Fargo, Coca-Cola, Disney, and Pfizer, just to name a few, all incorporated these ideas and concepts into their business processes. All companies, which 100% have never violated in extreme ways any of the proposed ideas of CSR in the last 22 years. According to Donna J. Wood, the basic idea of corporate responsibility, social responsibility is that businesses and society are interwoven rather than distinct entities. Therefore, society has certain expectations for appropriate business behavior and outcomes. And I disagree. I disagree. The reason I disagree is because, wait a second, corporate social responsibility is supposed to be ethical, right? And sometimes there's a difference. There is ethical legality. There is uh, unethical legality. There is ethical illegality. And there is unethical illegality. And with that being said, the last two years have shown to me that these corporations, specifically the ones that decided to fire people for invasive medical practices, don't care about corporate social responsibility. They only care about what the big guy in the office tells them to do. That's they what disguise I that in corporate social responsibility. So they're lying. Well, because they're, what they're doing is they're taking a, a specific viewpoint and saying this is responsible mm-hmm. as opposed to any opposing mm-hmm. viewpoint. And that's that's the that's the slippery slope. That it's we're soft oppression, is what it is. Well, I don't even know if it's soft anymore. Can't anymore, you maybe. consider any of these CSR ideas to be a benchmark? If like a leadership position or an executive can't meet mm-hmm. this, or maybe it's not even maybe it's not even for some, that exact thing, but they use it as an example to get rid of somebody. Yeah, you didn't. I mean, for example. Much smaller level, and it's not even an ES, like a ESG or CSR related. But there was a Amazon thing that happened just a couple of months ago, where an employee filed a lawsuit against Amazon because they got fired, and blah 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 blah. But the Amazon argued they fired him because of a clause in their entire thing saying no cursing on the job, which. 
Really? You He's fired the dumbest him. fucking. But the, he, the, the guy is so saying. Normal. I know, but the guy is saying you fired me because I was participating in organization of our Staten Island. Well, well, here's the thing. Thing. Right. And so a judge didn't reinstate him, but they said Amazon, you're definitely retaliating against employees that are trying so, to organize. But so, see, but they're using but that see, clause. Amazon, but I don't know if that's necessarily well, we corporate. Always do that. Yeah, I don't know if that's necessarily corporate social responsibility. I think, no, I, I think that's a little different. But is. I think her point is interesting because the, the the these these things get conflated in a way. What a lot of this stuff is, to your point, Amazon's contract or agreement or whatever uh, Bale is talking about was put in place so not because they wanted to use it. Just because it was there in case they had to. Yeah, well, that's my point right? with this too. I know it's like a much it, smaller scale, but wouldn't these things could be easily used to get people out of their circle they exactly don't want in their yeah. circle anymore? Well, well, here's what's interesting because I've read a lot about this specifically because I'm taking a class on it right now. Um, uh, I have a problem with a lot of these things because they they're uh, they're tongue in cheek. They they they'll say something and not mean what they say. So a prime example with. I brought up emotional intelligence in my monologue. Mm-hmm. Same thing with intelligence, intelligence quotient. There's recently been studies specifically with emotional intelligence and emotional quotient that have come up maybe in the last 10 to 15 years because it's a relatively, from my understanding, a relatively new social belief system that has come about where it talks about the ethical nature of being able to interact with people from a affirmative or a aggressive or a passive aggressive or a passive way, right? And someone who is a leader, according to the belief system of emotional intelligence, which ties into corporate social responsibility, is someone who has the ability to work with all, in all those things. But my belief system, though, is that leaders create the rules. They don't necessarily follow them. And if you sit together with a group of people in your company and you own the company and you tell everyone that they need to have a high emotional quotient or they won't have their job and you need to tell everyone that they need to abide by the rules that you create, but you don't follow your rules, which most of these, sorry for this language, fucks don't do, then you don't really believe in it. So my, my whole thing is this, these companies like Amazon and Pfizer, specifically Pfizer, they don't care what their social impact is, as long as it makes them mucho dinero. Back to my point. Which my point to your point is, why do they even have it if not to soft provide a form of either soft or hard oppression to their constituents so their constituents can listen to the rules for thee, but they don't have to listen to any rules for me. That's what I see it as. You mentioned your monologue, Tony Robbins, the emotional quotient, Mm -hmm. and what was the other one? Uh, EQ and what it doesn't matter. You mentioned what up until recently were termed self help. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Now just think about that term. Empathy. Self help is what I mentioned. Oh, Empathy. That you you did that so right on the nose. Mm-hmm. So right on the nose. Everybody has conflated that word to to act like everybody needs to be empathetic for everybody in every way in every show as it, long it, people as people don't even understand what the fucking well, word means excuse you, my language as long but, as but, you listen to the rules that they tell you to listen correct to. but but set that aside for a minute the whole point is is that these things tony robbins has some great mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. if you want to use that to impact your view on life and how you want to process your view on life so that you can move your career forward or you can be the next inventor or you can write your own book or whatever. All these things are great to dilute the negatives that come at you circumstantially every day, all the time. Yeah. 
Nothing wrong with that. Love it. I've read a book of the first emotional quotient book that came out. I don't remember the author, but I read it at the time. I thought, what a great developmental tool for people, individuals, that mm-hmm. is. When it becomes a problem is when it stops being self-help and starts being demanded. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where this goes. That's where this, the real problem with this stuff is. Well, it, yeah. it, it stops it, 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 that, that soft depression you're talking about. To me, it's that shell game. It's the three-card Monty. It's the, it's the government wanting to, to push a certain type of process or pathway for the masses. It, Bull, go ahead. Bull, you can, you can travel. You can get on a plane as long as you do what we tell you to do. I mean, I know right now, I know right now it's medical. I know right now, like not a lot of people like shots. So I know like you're hesitant. And we're not even really sure what's in this shit. But you have to take it. Because if everyone takes it, then we're all doing what I say. And if you do that, then I'll reward you with being able to leave the, the country. And here's the thing. Okay? If, if enough people said, this is absolute bullshit. Mm-hmm. And let's say, let's not... Let, everybody in this room and everybody we know and everybody we can talk to... Let's simply not travel if that mandate is coming out. Then it doesn't happen again. Exactly. Yeah. No, I get because it. Because it all goes down to dollars and cents. Yeah. And that's the, that's why I think this stuff is so intimidating and disturbing, frankly. Because, like, I don't want to make this about the thing that happened that we can't mention lest we be flagged by any entity that is an entertainment platform. Uh, You've already uh, mentioned uh, it. I understand. Times, but I can't. So. There's a certain word I can't say. Because if I yeah, say that exactly. S word, then they might think I'm talking about guns. You know, but anyway, um, it's just, I guess my biggest point is it's like everything is so coercive and CSR is just as coercive as ESG because here's the thing. If I buy a shirt from somebody as a, um, consumer in a capitalistic, supposedly free market society, you know what I'm not doing when I look at the shirt, Mm. I'm not considering the impacts of whether or not that shirt is going to destroy the Amazon. Or whether or not that particular shirt, the revenue from it, is going to go to social programs. I'm not considering that. Yet, here's the funny thing. But you will. But, well, I will because they'll force me to. That's exactly but what's right. Fun, and that's the, the scary thing about it. But what's funny about all of it, there's been plenty supposed research platforms or supposed, supposed polls, right? I read one recently that said 83% of consumers care about where their money goes. You know what I say to that? Baloney. Bullshit. The reason I say baloney is because, okay, if that's the case, you wouldn't be buying from Amazon, which is the largest company in the world. You wouldn't be selling stuff from like Alibaba. Oh yeah. You wouldn't be, you (laughs) wouldn't be using, well, you wouldn't be using stuff. No offense to Tesla. You wouldn't be buying Tesla cars because uh, last time I checked, coal is just as destructive as carbon or any coal is carbon. It takes, it it takes the energy level of three barrels of oil to produce a battery mm -hmm. for yeah. For an electric car. I know. And that's the thing. Is it's like, it's like the, the, this three card Monty thing is so frustrating to me because if I were to sit, if I were to sit at a, a, a um, if I were to, if I were to walk into a tech company right now and get a job and sit down, I can guarantee you they'd have me take a personality test like the big five or some other personality test that no offense to sociologists, in my opinion, is based on total bullshit. No because offense. because here's the because here's the no thing offense, no total well, look, no look, offense but it's total bullshit well, but here's but here's the thing and the reason I say it's total bullshit is because these are antiquated things like uh, uh, climate change is not a monolith 
climate change, if we humans were not here, wouldn't exist. Just like if a tree fell down in a climate forest. Climate change would exist what, no matter whether we're no, here what, or not. But what I mean by that is, I mean, the whole tree, if it falls down in a forest, does it exist type argument. The reality is the only reason climate change is such a major issue. One is because it's politicized. It shouldn't be. Science should never be politicized, in my opinion. Two, it's because it's a very conveniently easy, soft form of oppression to push your policy agenda initiatives from interest groups that pay you and fund your company and fund your political campaign to get policy pushed that you know you won't have to be accounted for in the next 30 years because you won't be around. That's what I think it comes down to. I'm not making, I'm not bringing it there, but I'm saying it from the people that like, like the Pelosi's of the world, they're only pushing it because they get bank from it. And the same with this CSR stuff. Like, look, if I sit down with someone and I don't agree with their perspective, especially when it comes to critical thinking, which critical thinking specifically, and from my perspective, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Bull, specifically is the ideology and the strategy of learning from your opposition, not trying to destroy your opposition, but it is also in understanding what they're actually saying as opposed to, you know, uh, just accepting things verbatim without thinking. See, I know, I know there's a strict definition to critical thinking. I've always believed it's simply pausing and actually moving emotions off to the side Mm -hmm. and thinking about whatever the subject is before you make decisions or, you reference things that could be conflated a different way. Mm-hmm. You critically think about something. Yeah. Do we do it all the time? No. We're all emotional animals. All mm-hmm. you know, we, a lot. But that's that's why it's an actual subject. Critical thinking. Yeah. Now, a lot of people have used that and created a lot of tangential things that are not so uh, good to go after. Critical this and critical that, and we could talk about that in another podcast. But uh, ultimately. The idea here is to, and, and this is part of what we're talking about today. The idea is to think about these things and understand not only what they are, but what their effect is on all of us and where we see it going. Because all the, you know, all the people that talk about don't do this or this slippery slope will happen and all these things will occur, Jesus, they're freaking right. Because that's what ends up happening. Mm-hmm. What ends up happening is you push an agenda, you stretch the stretch to the limits of, of what you can get away with. And now you've reset the baseline. So now you can continue to push off in a direction and sooner or later, the direction is nonsense. Well, and that's why I think like as much as I think, uh, Donna Wood or professor Wood might have some credence in what she says. This is where I think things get a little bit crazy. And I think I want to touch on this before we jump directly into ESG because it will segue quite nicely. So there's a few principles of corporate social responsibility. The first principle is legitimacy. Society grants legitimacy and powers to business. Uh, in the long run, those who do not use power in a manner which a society considers responsible will tend to lose it, supposedly. I don't believe that. I think people who use power irresponsibly continue to stay in their position because they work the rules to favor them. If that were the case, we wouldn't have incumbents that have been in office for 40, 50, 1,000 years. We wouldn't have people that have been senators and governors becoming president. If that were true. So that's a false premise, in my opinion. Now, the level of application, according to Donna J. Wood, is institutional based on a firm's generic application obligations as a business uh, as a business organization. That focus in, is obligations and sanctions, and the value is defines the institutional relationship between businesses and society and specifies what is expected of any business. I don't think that I would ever ask a doctor to give me advice on what to do if I were to go on a rocket ship up into space. 
Because a doctor, especially a physician's assistant or a common physician, is not going to know, in most cases, unless they are specialized, what spaces, effect, and G-forces will have on my body. And I don't think it's fair to act as if businesses should be in the business of dictating how their employees and society around them should operate in relation to their decisions. Well, I, uh, I had a follow-up doctor appointment um, just this morning on something. And I, when I walked in and, you know, we, I, I knew this subject we were talking about. So I specifically sat down with the, the guy that was out front and, you know, I gave him my information, everything. I said, Hey, I want to, I want to see what your scores are. And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, I want to see how responsible you are as a company to your, to your community. And he didn't know what the hell I was talking about. Yeah. And do you believe anything I'm saying right now? No. No, I, I didn't no. do that. I know you didn't. But I might. You should. I might, and I should, probably should. And you know what? I honestly don't care. I don't think anyone if, does. If that doctor is a good doctor, if he is selling the right thing that I need to buy, and it's effective for me, I don't care what the business is. I honestly don't care Mm-mm. whether you donated to Greenpeace or you donated to the NRA. And I don't care well, which. You know, you know what's funny? And this is something that I don't think people... And look, I, I'm not yet in the business of raising kids. Hopefully, they're one day, quite soon. With that being said, I think the problem that I have with all this, Bull, is that there seems to be this specifically from my demographic, supposedly, supposedly, my demographic and demographics after us, there seems to be this understanding that we all care so much for the earth and so much for the future of humanity. Okay, let me get to my point because I can tell you right now it's not. Um, we care so much. We care so much about the future of existence and humanity that we do everything correct that we need Tom's shoes to donate their shoes to people who don't have shoes that we need Sears or I don't know Pepsi or I don't know Chia pets to come back and be all about the environment without acknowledging that a lot of the practices that we have today are actually renewable practices like for example if I cut down a tree and replant the tree it is a renewable Trust me, resource. There's more trees out but, there but, now but, than there was a hundred years but ago. There's a by group far. of people. There's a group of people that doesn't want us to cut down the trees. It doesn't want us to do any of this stuff because it's not renewable enough. And my question, we love all this so much that we don't have kids and will inevitably die off if nothing changes. No, not once we reach L E V. I don't think we will. <laughs> I don't think we will. Well, but you know, all the people that wanted to not the not cut the trees down bail are the same people that wanted all the plastic bags in the grocery stores. Yeah. Which are the same people now that think that's going to kill everything. Well, now we're back to paper pla- paperbacks. Correct. Well, so it's all, you know it's all, it's all a because, con. Because, it's all scam. Because supposedly they believe they push the agenda enough so that we replace all the trees. We're too, uh, but, you know what I'm saying? It, there's this there's circular argument. No, if somebody is an activist in a certain way and they use all their emotions to do that, Nothing will ever satisfy. You can reach whatever goal they set, and now the goal's new. Because they're addicted to activism. The well, they're addicted to activism. There's no... Let me, go, go, go ahead, Beowulf. There, there are just two very specific examples I can think of where I first started paying attention to the uh, cultural obsession over this type of thing. Mm, I know where you're going with this. Do I know where you're going with this? I don't know. I, I know where you're going with this. Two very specific examples on either side of the coin, truly. 
The first one I could think of is when it became headlines that Chick-fil-A was donating to anti-LGBTQ um, you know, organizations or whatever. And then there was a group of people who wanted to boycott it. And in some ways, there was a bunch of people who wanted to go to it more to prove a point and all sorts of whatever. That was maybe almost 10 years ago now. And then the other example I can think of on the other side of the coin was when Starbucks got rid of Merry Christmas on their cups during the holiday season. And there were a bunch of people who wanted to boycott Starbucks because Mm -hmm. they didn't believe in, you know, Christmas, Christmas. a pagan holiday originally. Oh, that's a whole nother episode. So, it's just interesting because on one hand it was, you don't have enough of this social responsibility. If we're looking at the S and ESG, I know we're not talking quite about, well, it's just, it's, it's a segue. It is a segue into ESG. And the other one was, you know, you, you, are it's your, it's wrong. It's, it's not that you don't have any, it's just, it's not the right one. So it's just, uh, those are the first two incidents that I think, at least personally, I remember there being a huge uproar over, Something that had nothing to do with coffee or chicken sandwiches. Right? You know, you know what I, you know what I think, hmm. and and uh, you don't, you were going in a way where I'm familiar with, but you were not going to specifically what I think. But I think this is tying into it. You know what I remember was the first thing that people really got passionate about when it came to like like social things, like 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 activism. Coney. 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 Two thousand. And you know what's funny? Everyone I knew jumped on board, and again, that was the first time in my life where I found myself. Not jumping on board something. Huh. Is wait a sec, there's a question I have for our viewers and our listeners. You can look this up. Everyone knows if they look it up and they actually follow up to these dumb social cultural instances. What happened to Coney? Is he done being Coney? Is he done harvesting children or running a children army? Because I'm really sure the t shirts fix that problem. Or is it that people are so obsessed with themselves? that they have to tie themselves to something socially responsible. They have to have their corporations be socially responsible in order to feel good about their very existence. Is that what it is? Because last time I checked, I'm only here for, if things go well, 78 years. And last time I checked, it takes a million years for a policy to take any sort of freaking impact whatsoever in society. So who am I to think that outside of my immediate application for people that I meet in my life, that giving $25 or buying a t-shirt that saves the whales will actually solve the problem. Because guess what? I can't follow that $25. No one will ever make it so clear that you can follow the path of the money that you give directly to the end result. They won't. There's always going to be something there that clouds things because they don't want you to know that they're actually paying their CEO $500 million a year. Because he definitely needs that to save the whales. Just like, I don't know, the CFO or the president or all the marketing directors need to be making $200,000 a year. These things that I don't think, pe- and maybe I'm wrong. This could be my own bias. I just don't think this occurs to people when they choose to do something. Like, if I give $5 to a charity, I'm giving it with expectation that it goes to the people that they're willing to help. If I give $5 to a corporation, I'm expecting it to disappear into a black hole of nothing. Because it seems as if none of these problems ever get solved. Ever. They just continue to be problems. Always. Well, think about it. These corporations, when they focus on these things, they're usually donating money, large amounts of money to certain organizations. Mm-hmm. That's Or, or political, political uh, donors as well. 
corporations are huge political donor donors. Money's going to the politics. So, it's not going to those problems. So, I mean, you have to ask yourself, it's the same thing that sometimes people say when you, when you're checking out at a grocery store and they're like, would you like to round up no. and donate to XYZ organization? We we can't explain to you what that organization is. You better know exactly what's going on off the top of your head because you've got about two seconds to figure it out. And we're going to embarrass you if you don't round it up. And, you know, well, that a lot of people just do it just because it's like because they not? feel guilty if they don't. Well, it, it, you know what? You know where I lie on this. We've talked about this before. I, I think that the people that and this is both the soft and the hard activists. And what I mean by that there is there are the the loudies out there, the fringe loudies that, that are so emotionally captivated by things outside their own purview that their life becomes this other thing. And I think those people have so much internal issues that they can't even view themselves and they have to, you know, extrapolate that and so, converge, convert that into to energy in another direction. I think that's really what that's about. It's psychological. Yes. And then the, the rest of us get guilted, as you just said, with the with the roundup thing, which I think is hilarious because those entities that, that get the roundup, you realize that 99.9% of all those roundups, whatever money that turns into, it, 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 does, it gets lost in the mix. Uh-huh. Because most donations, it's their 501c3s, right? And so the 501c3 is supposed to send you a, a uh, tax write-off amount that you can you pay mm-hmm. i mean it's legal it's yeah. a, mm-hmm. it, but these roundup things they never accumulate mm. enough that's yeah. why to if, do that. if, if, so yeah. guess what it's all where there. does it go exactly you have yeah. to consider that like i remember i was at a like a red robin or something some guys were walking around doing some sort of charitable thing asking for money for something i can't remember exactly twelve dollar candy was. bars for the local high school football it team. wasn't quite that i remember i did donate they <laughs> so, yeah. gave me a t-shirt and they asked me, they asked me if they wanted if i wanted a receipt here's the thing here's, for, well here's the for thing chari- for charity i would donate to the twelve dollars because i know that goes to the i know it goes to the football team if it's legit football team and I can tie it back, I know that football team. I would donate to the five dollars. I'm more don't likely to Do donate. Do you really think it's going to the football team? No, it doesn't. I'm joking. I have never done that. With that being said, <laughs> I feel better about that. Then I do about, you know, looking at when I'm working at a uh, company and having them talk about how, you know, their paper that they're printing, because now this is Dunder Mifflin, is somehow saving all of the homeless in Saudi Arabia. See, now, it, now, you, you, like, now here's, here's the thing about this that you've got to kind of not unpack or try to pack really is that these different kind of um, influences that occur from a corporate standpoint. It's what you talked about earlier, Bale. This is all PR a hundred percent. Because there is a, there is, I don't know what the equation is. The algorithm is, but there is a translatable effect on a business um, bottom line and profitability and, everything that that pr presents otherwise people wouldn't do ads at all this is a different form of that it's a different form of showing yourself as socially conscious because you believe you've done some kind of analysis that says this is going to equate to either taking business from others or gaining with a certain focus group that you think your clientele really belongs so i've got a question for you based on the principles of emotional intelligence with ties into corporate social responsibility wouldn't that make the entity itself, Machiavellian, because that's supposed to be deceptive, manipulative. Well, it doesn't matter. Well, look at it. It right. does though, because, I, because I don't think so. Well, but here's the thing: Machiavellian individuals are deceptive. They're manipulative. If you're not being open and honest with somebody, 
Because according to corporate oh sociability, according to corporate social responsibility, according to their own argument, they have to be honest. No. Yes. No. Yes, they do. Social responsibility has nothing to do with honesty. It does. It has to do with ticking off specific key indicators you know what? for no. these particular things. I was thinking of ESG. Sorry. They're all the well, same. It to me. doesn't matter. ESG, CSR, doesn't matter. Yeah. They're they, interchangeable. They, 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 are, they are benchmarks that the stakeholders, i.e., tangentially the governments mm. are pushing uh, um, corporations and things into these positions to take these positions and and here's the thing that 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 people don't kind of get their arms around this stuff with the corporations it doesn't fulfill anything with their bottom line except ticking off a box for the public sector to well, view. I, which by the I, way the public sector doesn't really give a shit about don't think it's I don't think they do. just that. I mean, consider, look at the IRA right now. Not the, IRA, not the, the Irish, Irish Republic Army. Army. The, no. the, the terrorist organization? No, I'm talking about the Inflation Reduction Act that was yes. passed earlier this Ooh. year. That act greatly Have they not rewar- renamed that yet? No, that's oh the name. Oh, my God. Didn't do much inflation well, just, reducing, well, hey, but... Just wait till the, the current administration pitches the... Uh, the, uh, the Never mind. I was going to say the Hamas nice. policy. Nice. Wow. Because <laughs> you have gone off the deep end. There already, this, this whole thing is pitching <laughs> uh, communist policy anyway. We'll, we'll get into yeah. that in a minute. Well, my point was well, that, 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 that piece of legislation greatly rewards companies for, for example, bringing semiconductor manufacturing back to U.S. domestic soil, for mm-hmm. example. Focusing on semiconductor and, and chip making is yeah. something that we need to go electric, which is what the administration, current administration is pushing right now and heavily, obviously. So by going, quote, green, these companies are now going to get tax breaks because of legislation like that, which is the point, which is what the federal government wants to happen. So it's it's a cycle there where they will be rewarded now financially, not just with public perception or at least what is perceived public perception because there can be an argument for public perception is usually way off from the reality, but it's not just that anymore. It's not just Twitter likes. It's also financial like compensation in the form of tax. We'll get into that in a second because that in my opinion is the pinpoint on all this ESG, which I think is why it's greenwashing is a reality. Mm -hmm. It's not just some, conspiracy theory people have made up it's happening every day well before we jump into esg there's two things i want to touch on because mm-hmm. i mentioned the first principle of corporate social responsibility i want to mention the other two the principle of public responsibility which businesses are responsible for outcomes related to their primary and secondary areas of involvement with society and well someone's here and the third principle of managerial discretion which managers are moral actors uh within every domain of corporate social responsibility they are obli- uh, obligated to exercise such discretion as available to them towards socially responsible outcomes. Godspeed Beowulf. Um, so th- th- with those views laid out, the problem that I have with this the problem, I, there's two problems that I have with cor- corporate social responsibility. CSR implies that businesses must, must be beholden to the very society that they serve in socially responsible ways. So sometimes moral, depending on who, who you ask, but that's what they must be beholden to. Yet what is considered socially responsible is constantly in a state of flux. In so much that companies went out of their way to violate ethical and medical standards over the last two years that have stood, um, 
standards that have stood longer than this ideology in favor of what was considered at the time socially responsible, but which has turned out to be incorrect two years after the fact. So the second aspect that I have a problem with is social responsibility is somewhat tongue in cheek. Many of these companies that claim to have significant moral and responsible standing among society have consistently violated their own perceived views over the last 20 or so years. Now, there are very varying levels of ethical quandaries associated with, with this accepted business ideology, most of which assumes that the responsible actions of today will be considered responsible tomorrow. They won't be, because that's not how responsibility works in our society. What we consider to be ethical, moral, and responsible today, I can guarantee will change by merit of the fact that our society me, doesn't care. Let me give you a little anecdote with CSR. Okay, So, large corporation A is ticking off all the boxes on ESG or CSR. doesn't mm -hmm. matter. And they're being viewed by a particular segment of the population as, as an advantageous up-and-coming business because they're, they're being modernized. They're, you know, it's not, as they say, um, stale, pale, in mail, right? <laughs> so they're, they're becoming something else. They're yeah. becoming socially responsible. Their governance, their, their, their board is now made up of uh, a equal portion of all ethnicities in the country and socioeconomic degrees and all that kind of stuff. And they're, they're hitting all these marks. So they've got lenders just coming out of the woodwork, venture capitalists and lenders giving them money to try to increase their portfolios, increase their margins, increase their, their share of the market. So what they do to do is turn around and do hostile corporate takeovers. Yeah. Of all kinds of small entities. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you how do you measure the ethical nature of that entity doing that? Mm. They've done exactly what the government wants them to do, and they've put people out of business that simply don't have the finances to do exactly what they're told to do. Yeah, I mean it's so frustrating to me. It's unbelievable because it's it's measuring all the wrong things. Yes, the first measure of any business should be. It's it's overall um, uh, reliability to its shareholders, mm -hmm. not stakeholders. And what happens over time is if those responsibilities are uh, fed by greed, fed by corruption, fed by a whole lot of other things, then competition tends to weed that out and eventually they go away. And you can look at historically in the United States that happens over and over and over again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But now what you're doing is you're putting in place arbitrary rules that are very, very subjective. Mm -hmm. They're not objective. They're subjective. Subjective. Yep. And if if they if they don't if if they have an understanding and a CSO to manage that process, they are so far above anyone else. They could be doing everything else wrong, but if they get that CSO part right. Hey, they're hey. They, you know what the top the top ESG company in the country right now? You know what it is? Microsoft. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Microsoft. Wow. How does that happen, Mister Gates? Sure. Not sure. Well, it's not there anymore. Before we jump into doesn't ESG, matter. I know. Yeah. Well, before we jump, he definitely has influence over it still. Before we jump into ESG, I do want to end it with a quote. This quote is from Margaret Thatcher. We want a society in which we are free to make choices, to make mistakes, to be generous and compassionate. That is what we mean by a moral society, not a society in which the state is responsible for everything and no one is responsible for the state. The question I have is, but what if the state is the one that creates the very rules by which the businesses and ultimately society believe that they should be held responsible for? 
doesn't that create a cycle of power in which it is impossible to account for ever to account for since everyone is has willingly agreed to the very whims that the state has imposed upon its constituents it creates a cycle of do what I tell you to do and do it because I said so because you should do what I told you to do and that's because I said so it's just a cycle never ending it's just a circle of bullshit that, that is what's called regulatory capture ESG that's that's exactly what it is. It's it's having a, a a bunch of people that are responsible to set the parameters and rules for businesses to operate, and the businesses supporting the ability for those regulators to actually regulate by financially impacting them. So yep. the question really is chicken or the egg, right? Is it the government doing this in starting that cycle, or is it the public sector corporations doing this which are actually governments also by the way if you look at corporate the way governance all structured economic social and corporate they, governance they, they there's this as you said there's this circular kind of thing that happens mm-hmm. and you don't know where it stops or starts anymore mm-hmm. intentionally exactly 100 percent. and exactly. and so for our listeners and viewers esg uh, we mentioned this multiple times multiple times it's environmental social and corporate governance uh it's an umbrella term referring to the specific data designed to be used by investors for evaluating the material risk that the organization is taking based on externalities it is generating according to wikipedia now yeah to, to, that to sounds maybe broad. define that even a little further environmental is you know low carbon fuels greenhouse gas mm-hmm. emissions Energy efficiency, environmental management systems, biodiversity efforts, uh, the climate risk, whatever the frick that means. Water management. I don't know. Maybe, you know, the water cooler is not as cool. I don't know. Recycling processes and emergency preparedness, which is very broad as well. Socialists, health and safety, working conditions, employment benefits, diversity and inclusion. Again, kind of... Broad, Very, all-encompassing. Yeah. yeah. Human rights, which, geez, let's talk about anybody that manufactures anywhere in Doesn't China. Doesn't Nike right? make their shoes um, in small uh, exactly. South Pacific countries that they pay people pennies exactly. on the dollar to make the, the shoes for? Impact the local communities, local environmental development, and then governments as ethical standards, board diversity in government, mm-hmm. governance, corporate governance and policies, stakeholder engagement, shareholder rights pay for performance and political engagement why I mean, in the, the world the, the 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 number of things the odd things that create those three segments conflict with each other constantly yeah it's contradictory and what i see from esg and what i see from csr is what they're basically doing with these entities that are corporate companies and and individuals at the end of the day is they're basically creating a 500 page policy push that no one's going to read that's all they're doing. They're creating this area where they can say, well, yeah, but ESG says. Mm. But, but, but CSR says. Like, if, you're, if you don't abide by CSR or ESG, one, you're well, not a good company to work for, and two, well, we can't, we can't, we shouldn't suggest that people invest in your company, even if you have a great product. Let me ask you this question, both of you. What division of a large company do you think actually runs the company? If you were to choose. Division. There's a lot of divisions. I mean, there's operations and sales. There's manufacturing, there's HR, there's compliance, there's the claims people, there's collections, there's accounting. What do you think controls most most large companies today? HR. That's what I would say. HR first, then accounting. And and 
the funny thing is, is I, I get why that occurs. I do. I, I, I have enough business background to see and understand why. I also think it's dead wrong. You know why, though? It's because the CEO and the president can hide behind their HR department. That's why. Well, everybody needs... But that's, but, but that's why know, I think it's that way. I don't think it's they actually control it. I think they say, okay, well, we're going to delegate to the institutions and organizations that we have within the company. It doesn't matter why. I don't think, well, I think it does, though, a little bit. If, if, the, if the CEO is hiding behind the HR department because he needs to fire a bunch of people and he, doesn't, he knows they're all over 50, and so he has to eliminate the position instead of eliminate the person. Yeah. That's an HR decision, and it's you know recorded and viewed and monitored and managed and spreadsheeted and all that kind of stuff. It's a protection mechanism. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter that it is; it still is. Well, but that's what so it, the question yeah. becomes, and the reason I bring it up is the question becomes: What's going to govern companies going forward? Is it profit motive? Really? No. Or is it some ubiquitous thing? That's the wrong word. Uh, opaque. Uh, op- there you go. An opaque thing like this ESG movement. I will tell you exactly what it will be. Everything. The United Nations. An unelected group of governing people who were not elected there to the first place to make the decisions of the world government because there are 17, poli- there are 17 policies associated with SDG that we'll dump, jump into in a second. Um, for our listeners, I do think it's important to clarify that ESG data can be used for a few different things. It can be used within an organization as metrics for strategic 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 and managerial purposes and it can also be used by investors when assessing material risks to the organization in their evaluation of enterprise value specifically by designing models based on assumptions that the identification assessment and management of sustainability related risks and opportunities in respect to all organizational stakeholders leads to higher long-term risk adjusted return which doesn't that sound like a crock of absolute risk adjusted return hmm what does that mean? No one knows because no one. they hire lawyers to write this shit to make it as com- complicated and ridiculous as possible. So no one can point to it and say, but that's the problem. So stakeholders and include Beowulf back to your point, mentioning shareholders, and stakeholders, uh, they include or but and are, but not limited to customers, suppliers, employees, leadership, and the environment. Doesn't that sound a lot like corporate social responsibility? Doesn't that sound like the exact same thing? Because it does to me. It sounds like the exact same thing. I see ESG just like I see corporate social responsibility as coercive and actionable steps following the implementation of CSR. That's what I think it is. It's a coercive way of saying, well, you know what? You followed CSR, so you should follow ESG. I think there's there's an additional element that that ESG is bringing to the table that CSR did not. Oh, of course. CSR was primarily about about talking about the corporation itself. Yes, there are tentacles out there that touch, you know, outside entities, the city they're in, the country they're in, the states they're in, the people they affect, the communities they help try to develop and socially impact in one way, shape, or form. Now, ESG measures that more effectively, but it it, it changes something. It changes in scope. So yes. ESG is... It's like currently the, at three it's like, scope levels. It's like CSR 3.0. Yeah, it's, it's an, as you said, it's it, one's a precursor to the other. Like it's if I evolution. was to join Scientology <laughs> and I go in at the very beginning and I'm paying thousands of dollars to become like clear. So you're level 13. ES, yeah, ESG would be like the clear level is what I'm getting at. Yeah, so you've tested and made clear. Now that's the baseline for everything else. That's the CSR with ESG coming around the corner. Yeah, yeah. And ESG is going to, as we said at the very beginning, hit everybody in the face. And we'll we'll get into this a little. You know what I think it should bit. stand for? Corporate shitheads reacting to environment stupid guidelines. 
Wow. That's what I think it works. That's what I think it should be. Kind of works for me. And and we're not even sitting here debating any of the underpinning uh, assumptions that say that the that we as human beings are really impacting our world as as much as these people would like to say it's impacting as 400 private planes landed Egypt to talk about this. Exactly. A week ago. Right. Exactly. So that's, that, that's not even the argument we're talking about. Well, today. but look, look here, here. And we're not even talking about, but that's what gets me because it's like, I have to sit and listen to uh guy sit and listen to Jeff Bezos. And I've got to sit and listen to Bill Gates and I got to sit and listen to Barack Obama. And I got to sit and listen to, to, to Donald Trump. And I've got to sit and listen to uh, Marco Rubio. And I got to sit and listen to all these people who are by proxy or directly involved to these things in which every single one of them, if I were to ask them what their advice would be, they would respond back to me with a Tony Robbins slogan. And I sit there and say, well, wait a second, guys, you all have private jets. Wait a second, guys, you all get paid after you retire indefinitely because you were part of the club. So what it tells me is, wait a second, none of you believe a single fucking thing you're saying. Because if I have to listen to the rules that you impose, but you don't have to listen to them, you know what that tells me? You don't buy the rules. You don't buy into them. And I don't have a problem if, look, if Elon Musk showed up tomorrow and said, guys, I'm going to adopt the principles of CSR and I'm going to adopt the principles of ESG, but I'm also going to get rid of my electric car, my luxury house. I'm not going to invest in anything. I'm not going to use money. I'm going to trade things like cattle or air. I would believe what he says. Just like if <laughs> Joe Osteen was going to show up and say, I want you to be rich. And then the next day he shows up and says, but I'm going to give away all my stuff because the Bible actually says, if you want to follow me, you can't have any worldly possessions. If he did that, I'd take him seriously. No one seems to understand that these things that these people specifically are saying, I'm not criticizing them directly. I'm literally using them as the rhetorical is, examples. The world is full of full of hypocrisy. Yeah. It's Absolutely. annoying. It's, it's everywhere. And, and even those that, think they're not being hypocrites are usually i mean think about most philanthropists in the world bono they're extremely rich people bono they're it's they're living a extremely uh, uh wealth affluent f thank you an affluent life lifestyle and they're doing good things and i'm not i not criticizing that they're doing good things Mm-mm. but that does not give them the right to act like they're somehow superior in some way because they're doing those good things. You know what's funny? I know everyone hates Rockefeller and Carnegie, yeah, and I'm making, him. well, people who are conspiracy theorists hate him, um, and maybe people who also believe in some level of changing uh, fiscal economic patterns think that they're evil too. Uh, you know what I would assume? I would assume they gave all that money, because to your point, they'd had no use for it. But I would assume that they thought they were better, not because they're making better moral judgments, but because they just had a lot of money. And I would rather someone look at me and say, I have a lot of money. I'm better than you. Then someone look at me and say, I uh, am making the correct analysis. Uh, I am. I am Bill Gates and I'm making the correct analysis for the future of humanity. And I, because of doing that by proxy of doing that. And even though I went to Epstein's Island a few times, I am better than you because I made those decisions. I think people after a certain time period, a certain age, uh, do two things. They, and they both are legacy based. One is for their own family and one is for the greater society sure depending on their wealth and what they're trying to do sure and those things can be viewed like we were talking about the rockefeller thing he he basically funded public education in the united states for a period of time created the system in which it was developed into and his his own take was because we need workers 
Mm-hmm. Well, I can look at that today and say, well, you don't want thinkers because I've heard people say that you want just workers. But at the time, he could have been saying, well, most people just want a freaking yes. decent life and want to work. Well, and, and here's, so is that a bad thing? Carnegie Carnegie put half the freaking public libraries in the United States, he funded. Yes. Personally. And the, the funny thing I see about this is people look at those people as the originators or the, like our founder, founding fathers, the originators of, of, uh, of, 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 of trauma. The originators of, of abuse of power. And I say, no, what happened is they put together a system that worked effectively. And then people who were ridiculous came into the system. And just like this individual that we talked about with CSR manipulated it to such degree to mean something entirely different than what it meant originally. That's like when Constantine talked about the, I don't know, the Bible. One day we should talk about this. And there is speculation that he influenced what it says shouldn't and be how speculation it's perceived. about it at all. Of course it was influenced. So, but, but here's the thing. And the reason I say it is to protect my own self. Okay. Cause I'm gonna have someone come up like the Bible has been the same since the writing of it. No, it hasn't. It has not been. No. It, it, fundamentally it has not been. And with that being Nothing said, it doesn't mean the it's the same any, until the Gutenberg came around and made a printer. It, exactly. So, people so just said it out loud or scribed it. Exactly. So when it comes to stuff like this, I look at this whole scenario with these individuals who come out here with ESG and CSR. Do I think they have bad intentions? No, I don't. But I, I do think that they, they don't have an ability to accurately forecast because no one can tell the future. So if I sit down CSR in the 1950s, or hell, if I thought of CSR or corporate responsibility, because that's what it originally was, if I thought of corporate responsibility in the 1800s because I didn't like seeing eight-year-olds being beaten after not working well enough, then yeah, that's probably something good. But if I see CSR now in the 1990s or 2000s or 2022, where I now, uh, because I'm the CEO of a company, am at the uh, the will and the beckoning of the populace who, no offense, according to your point, Beowulf, is so off base when it comes to their predictions of what things actually mean and what percentage of things actually occur, then I'm beholden to nothing. That's like, that's like, it's, it's a whole, it's mobocracy. You're introducing mobocracy and you're politicizing corporate America. But with ESG, you're only forcing corporate America to do those things. See, interestingly, um, and this may be, you know, kind of different than some of the things I've said, but I'm not particularly against um, certain aspects of managing the viewpoint people have of your company. No. I think it's beneficial to the competitive environment you're in to have people view your company as responsible to a broader sense than its own four walls, Mm -hmm. right? So now I disagree with some of the ESG contentions because I think the underpinning argument is poor. Okay, that's a different different conflict, different argument. But I I agree with that in terms of, because when I was in sales to begin with, with uh, in transportation when I started out in sales, even before that, when I was selling on a sales floor at a, a department store, it, it, you know the the fact is is if I could if I could talk to a client and I could differentiate myself either personally or my company from my competition in a way that the the customer saw as beneficial to them, then they're going to buy something from me. So there's nothing wrong with having benchmarks and earmarks and Not things you and that's why people want a corporate environment that's welcoming, understood, philanthropic, philanthropic if that's philanthropic. a word. Philanthropic. Thank you. Philanthropic, etc. 
philanthropic. Where am I? It's okay. We're rusty. So, so it's first it, episode back. So so all those things are great. The 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 challenge I see is when it's taken outside of your four walls, mm-hmm. and that's what I have a problem with ESG because the you know um, there was originally scope one ESG, which was internal. Scope one and two was primarily internal. Scope three is the problem because scope three takes the corporation and says now the people you use to supply raw materials transportation logistics um you know compliance things it services all these things those outside companies that is not your core competency it's somebody else's they are now part of your score and here's the funny thing According to ESG, and we'll talk about the 17 interlinked global goals, which are total nonsense um, because they are just so, so ambitious. Um, those that you bring up a poignant point because these things only apply to first world countries, they only apply to America. They're only going to apply to Western European countries. They're not going to apply to industrialized industries. They're not or, uh, nations. They're not going to apply to those industries, those companies, those corporations, those individuals. So all you're doing is you're hamstringing first world to the point that we always talk about, bringing up the waterline to the baseline and taking the high level of individuals down to the waterline and making everything equal. But that's and the, here's that's the, the thing. globalist agenda. Well, well, it's not even a globalist agenda. It sure it's, well, I'm, I'm not. It's something more than that. It's, it's an agenda of an oppressive group of people who globalist or not, who cares? who want to eliminate the ability for people to move out of the shit that they've been in. We talk about, uh, look, the beauty of capitalism is it gives you a medium to be able to create an entrepreneurial mode of transportation to get out of the personal situation and the financial situation that you are currently in if you want to. Now, granted, there are impediments, there are barriers. No one has ever said that every single person, unless, uh, unless you're talking about CSR, is meant to be a leader or an entrepreneur. No one has said that. Not a single person has said the American dreams means that everyone's going to be a millionaire. Not a single person has ever implied that people who live here are going to live a luxurious lifestyle in the lap of endless luxury. No one's ever said that. The problem with ESG and the problem with CSR is what it does is it hamstrings individuals like myself who would like to start a business and have something for themselves. But God forbid if my little roadcaster here emits some level of carbon monoxide that I was not aware of because I didn't create it. It, it's, it's, it, it. It's an impediment. It's a medium. It's like a mediary between those who have the bourgeoisie, according to Marx, and those who have not the proletariat. Now, granted, I don't agree with everything Mark says. In fact, I agree, disagree with almost all of it. But I will say his analysis of those who have and those who have not is an accurate one because that is true. And right now we have people like AOC, policy shareholders, doesn't matter. You can name a single one. I don't care who it is. Single individuals who are unilaterally imposing their will to your point, like Klaus Schwab, Klaus Schwab, who likes little boys. He, 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 they're imposing wills that is of their own worldview upon everyone else so people cannot transition into those positions that they have lived in their entire life they have to be held down because because they don't know better because they are the The others they're the others yeah they're the elites Mm -hmm. and this this goes back to you know kind of a theme that runs through a lot of our podcasts because there's this this group 
um, and it it changes all the time, and it's big and it's small, and it's but it's it's in power, and it's it's an elite group that thinks they know better, and on some things maybe they do, and some things may, maybe they don't. But it's when when somebody knows better, but we're in a free society according to what we think we are now, then you should have the right to choose, mm-hmm. and those those choices are being minimized, and we're being herded like freaking cattle into a shoot especially we all from, know where the cattle end up yeah especially from yeah. A, 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 a corporate area mm-hmm. and and the problem that i don't think people are realizing as much as i know a lot of people dislike people who make a lot of money in this country for some reason uh, the the statement of all shit the rising tide raises all ships is a true statement and when you impede companies and organizations whether they're good or not when you impede them it harms you by proxy policy it, like policymakers, in my opinion, are uphill from society, but the policy that they make trickles down. It, it's it's not going to avoid you because if we, look, it, I understand. People see, say, there's there's a, there's a big mistake that's made mm-hmm. by a lot of the population that looks at this and says says, oh, these things are great for all these things that are that I emotionally support, and at the know? same time, I'm getting a huge raise. Are they though? No, they're that's not. what I'm saying, because they don't see that as they get the raise, as corporations have to inflate all their budgets to support all these different new industries, because that's what this is. ESG mm-hmm. is a fucking industry. Yeah. Huge industry. There are companies that are doing nothing but collating information and adding personnel on the HR side into well, corporations with, just to do all this stuff and manage all this stuff that means nothing. Same with CRT. Really it's the same it's thing. It's the same stuff. It's the same type of bullshit. It's the same stuff. They're, they're create, and this just goes back to a lot. Like, it's, it's like it's create the chaos and then solve the problem. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Just a different venue for the same thing. Well, uh, and, and, and you're right. I, and this is the thing that gets me. Is it's like, look, there's problems that exist organically, and there's problems that are created. And things like CSR, things like uh, ESG, things like CRT. Even though I brought it up, these are these are created things. Because look, I understand that people have differences. I understand that people have problems. You know what's funny is we wouldn't have all these differences and problems if we would stop stoking the fire to them. Like guys. You know what's hilarious is if you stop throwing trash on the ground, the world becomes cleaner. If you stop looking at someone different, leaving yourself, the world becomes better. It's pretty fucking simple. And when it comes to ESG, there are 17 things that I mentioned that I think we should talk about that seem simple, but if you're astute and observational, you'll understand that the people who make these rules don't actually mean what they say um so the 17 things they are designed to be a shared blueprint for peace and prosperity for people on the planet now and into the future wow that sounds so nice these goals were put into motion officially in 2015 and are intended to be achieved by 2030 called agenda 2030 here are the seven sgds or sdgs number one no poverty. End poverty in all of its forms everywhere. Number two, zero hunger. End hunger. Achieve food security and improve nutrition and promote sustainable agriculture. Number three, good health and well-being. Ensure healthy lives and promote well-being for all at all ages. With vegetable oil. Number four, quality education. Ensure inclusive and equitable equitable quality education and promote lifelong learning opportunities for all. Unless you are a specific 
demographic who wants to get into Yale but can't because you're too good at school. Number five, gender equality. Achieve gender equality in power and empower all women and girls. And normally when we talk about equality, we only mention one side of the aisle. Number six, clean water and sanitation. Ensure availability and sustainable management of water and sanitation for all, unless it involves pouring out waste from Coca-Cola or PepsiCo or some entity that is making billions of dollars a year into a third world country. Number seven, affordable and clean energy. Ensure access to affordable, reliable, and sustainable and modern energy for all. Unless, of course, that energy is faulty and doesn't work in winters in Texas specifically. Decent work and economic growth. Promote sustained, inclusive, and sustainable economic uh, growth, full and productive employment, and decent work for all. You'll never be able to move up, and you'll own nothing and be happy. Number nine, industry innovation and infrastructure. Build resilient infrastructure, promote inclusive and sustainable industrialization, and foster innovation. Unless, of course, it violates ESG, so then you can't have any innovation because innovation is bad. Number 10, reduced inequality. Reduce inequality within and among countries. Because that's somehow possible. We can somehow reduce inequality between a first world country and a third world country without absolutely destroying the first world country's economy. That's a thing we believe we can do. Number 11, sustainable cities and communities. Make cities and human settlements inclusive, safe, resilient, and sustainable. You'll have so many homeless people around you that we'll do nothing about that you don't need four walls. You can just lie under the bodies of people. (laughs) Number 12, responsible consumption and production. Ensure sustainable consumption and production patterns. Unless, of course, those production patterns lead to innovation, which, of course, we want to stop. Number 13, climate action. Take urgent action to combat climate change and its impacts. An argument that has been around since the early 70s. We will urgently solve a problem that we have decided to change for marketing purposes because it didn't sound right originally, and now it's so broad that it encompasses everything. Did the penguin die because of humans or did the penguin die because of evolution? We won't answer that for you because we don't believe in evolution. Number 14, life below water. Conserve and sustainably use the ocean, seas, and marine resources for sustainable development. Unless, of course, the sustainable development has been incurred by pollution, which animals might depend upon. And if we change those ecosystems that have been created the last 30 years for those animals, those animals will die off anyway. So it's a do, it's a damned if you do and it's a damned if you don't. Number 15, life on land. Protect, restore, and promote sustainable use of terrestrial ecosystems, sustainably manage forests, combat desert desertification, and halt and reverse land degradation and halt biodiversity loss. Of course, that's if we don't account for the fact that by doing all these things, we are actually killing (laughs) some animals that have become dependent upon the very pollution that we have created or the climate change that has occurred naturally. Number 16, peace, justice, and strong institutions. Promote peaceful and inclusive societies for sustainable development, provide access to justice for all and build effective, accountable, and inclusive institutions at all levels. Meaning, if you look like somebody we don't like, you're not going to get opportunities anymore because we don't like you and you look like something that triggers us. And number 17, partnerships for the goals. Strengthen the means of implementation and revitalize the global partnership for sustainable development, which basically means that all the first world countries are going to band together and pretend as if the second and third world countries that want to become third first world countries can't because it violates all the economic and environmental principles that have allowed us to exist, but not them. I think you should be promoted to the head of the UN. That is exactly, well, here's- You he, did this perfectly. Well, he has the and qualifications. He, I do. Obviously. I do. Apparently, according to this, anybody has the qualifications. Look, look. So, And you know what? That would provide a lot of equality to the UN. The real problem- They need someone like you. The real problem that I have with all this, because all those things sound nice and dandy. Look, actionable goals, because they have listed them out. They have listed out actionable goals for these 17 
SDG Sustainable Development Goals. They've listed them out. The UN resolution adopted those goals in 2017. So they have goals. The problem is these goals. Did you say STDs? STDs, yeah. Uh, the problem is that these goals are impossible. You're going to eliminate poverty. Have you guys not heard of panhandlers? That is an actual occupation that a lot of people choose to have. You see the problem with poverty? Because there's two of them. There's two problems. One, it's people and power base preventing you from moving forward. 100%. Sorry, desk. 100%. There's a problem there. People are moving. They're preventing you. They're putting impediments. Whatever. That exists. Second one is sometimes, sometimes, and I know people don't like it when they say this, sometimes people are fucking lazy. Sometimes people are dirtbags. Sometimes people are shitheads. Everyone can be included in that. There's a specific book that I've mentioned multiple times. It's called Auschwitz. I think that's the title. It's Forget called, it's, Auschwitz well, no, it's called Auschwitz, Auschwitz and it's called, it's called, uh, there's Auschwitz and then there's a, um, not a few good men. Um, the, uh, it's about the order police. I've mentioned yes, it multiple times. Christopher that. Browning. Um, here's the thing that I don't think these people understand is I don't think they have the capacity or have thought about the fact that they have potential to be monsters. Look, my immediate family, as both of you know here, is the most important thing to me. And I might have friends and family that are also important to me because I've considered them family by vernacular. But if I had to pick, I have preference. And these people do as well. And that tells me is they don't really care about these things. Because I don't wake up in the morning and think about, hmm. The what? only time you care about these larger, broader things they is don't. when you are okay yourself. They don't care. Or when them. you're not okay yourself. And nothing in between. It's mm-hmm. like I said earlier, if you're psychologically damaged with your own life and you need to transfer that aggression, that emotion onto other subjects, you, you take something on as your, as, your, as your goal, as your activist uh, situation. And, and or if you are set with life and you want to leave a legacy and you want to develop something that's better, then you can go after that knowing your mask is already on. So here's what I'll say to that. Who do you know? besides me because I'm perfect, doesn't have issues in which they push their ideas and their directions into an area that fulfills some level of idolatry for a particular entity, an activity, or an occupation. Because I don't know a single person. And when you look at Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab, I can guarantee you, even though they might be lizard-human hybrids, they're still humans. And with that being said, all of us have issues. And this type of stuff, whereas it's nice and dandy and it sounds really good on a cereal box and it makes me feel all fuzzy, especially when I play really nice corporate music. It's all nonsense. Because here's the thing. You want to end hunger? You know what's funny? Doesn't America make like food to feed 10 billion people? Isn't there some like metric there? Hell, America pays farmers not to farm. Yeah. So here's the thing. You want to solve hunger? We've been able to do that. You know what's funny? Electric cars, they've been around a lot longer than the Tesla. They've been accessible for a lot longer than the Tesla. Think about how much food we throw away. 80% from wealthy, from high income restaurants, like really wealthy ones. Especially if you're someone. 80%. Well, especially if you're someone who does like big grocery hauls with organic food and you don't eat it all, you end up throwing away whole vegetables. Here's the thing. I know that there's some policy in place that allows restaurants to to give food but some city policy doesn't mm-hmm. yeah. so it's like they're required to throw it away uh-huh so here's what i Most say what time. i say to all this is what's the end goal guys because you want look look this is what i think about a lot of these problems 
That's what I think. Because if we really wanted to solve cancer, we'd be able to solve it. We would be. The reason we don't solve it is because there's a lot of money in cancer. There's a lot of money in that these is chronic your issues. Opinion, no, 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 sure. no, 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 no. It's a personal opinion, but there's a lot of relevancy to it. Because at the end of the day, every industry is an industry that includes the medical industry. If we really wanted to solve things, back to our transhumanism argument, we could. What would we do without pink cleats in October in the NFL? I mean, I'm not saying, look, I'm not trying to shit on, look, the likelihood that all of us have some level of that is pretty high. So I'm not trying to shit on people for it. But at the same time, it's like, guys, we can travel to the moon, but we can't solve cancer. We can fly thousands, if not hundreds of uh, tens of thousands of times a day in a metal bird for hours on end and not crash statistically. But we can't solve cancer. No, we, we can come up we with can, an, M- an mRNA. We can come vaccine. up with an mRNA vaccine that specifically changes your DNA, but we can't solve cancer. This is this is where I look at this stuff, and I'm like, you guys really don't want to solve these problems. This is the opposite of of uh, planned obsolescence. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting because it's a conundrum for people that, that really dig into this philosophically because a capitalistic society, a, a democratic republic, which we are, it, it rewards you know, profit. It rewards individual entrepreneurialism. It rewards these things that also engender a lot of corruption, a lot of graft, a lot of problematic things that don't solve problems intentionally mm-hmm. because of those profit, uh, um, not margins, but profit um, potentials. So the question is, is what do we do? A lot of people believe that we go socialist mm-hmm. or communist to make this a collective. And, and I don't agree with that at all. But you look at these things like ESG and you start to wonder, isn't that what's going on? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're half socialist already. Uh, yeah, 100%. We, the, the medical industry in general, the way we, we supply medicine to, at, at a baseline to people in the United States is very Canadian-like now. I, I'm not here to argue if that's right or wrong. I don't know enough about it to really argue that point other than my gut feeling about it. But, but standardizing these ESG things, and especially when you go to this scope three thing I'm talking about, pushes an agenda on people that can't financially handle that agenda. So it's, it's one thing to have um, regulations. It's another thing to capture those regulations and have the circular argument between large corporations and regulators that benefits them. It's another thing entirely to then make a part of that equation all the people, because this country is built on the ability for us to pursue mm-hmm. happiness, not to be given an equitable version of something, but to pursue it. And if you if you set up all the rules, whether it's from the corporations or from the government or a combination thereof, to take away the ability not to be on the same playing field, but to even be near the playing field at all, then you've you've created mega corporations and they're just going to do nothing but get larger. That's a, it's 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 an unethical legal way of creating monopolies. 
Yeah. Is all this. And, and it's the, and look, look, I understand, you know, bringing up the example I brought up a second ago is a little hyperbolic with that being said, I bring it up specifically because these arguments that people propose are for things that are much larger than that particular problem. You think we can handle the issues quote, quote unquote tied to climate change. If we haven't solved that really, we can save the world but we haven't solved that thing. That's what I'm getting at. There's, there's, and here's the thing. I'm not saying that like, I'd like to believe there is one because the reason I say that is because if it didn't exist, just like if I don't know, heart disease was somehow solved, the medical industry would not be as large as it is. So there's no incentive to solve it. This goes back to our uh, escape longevity, escape velocity, um, thing from last well, week. Well, it goes back to Coach Jordan, it, too. It goes, it, there, there's a lot together. of things that, that attach to each other, but one of the things that was interesting, I was I was um, listening through the LEV stuff, the transhumanism stuff, and, and there was a comment made by one of us about how we need to um, to sustain ourselves until we get to the point where we can use these technologies to mm-hmm. get beyond the one-for-one longevity issue. And I, and I thought... That's an interesting statement. I remember agreeing with it at the time. Then I thought about it later, and I thought, well, hold it. If if the idea is that all of us will overcome this ratio that we talked about, one year of longer life for every year that you live means you will keep on living, right? Then it shouldn't matter how many potato chips I eat. No. Because that's one of the things that will get corrected. It's not yes. like there's some immediate technology that will enable you to live longer, It'll be a consequence of all these things that change our ability to to handle the nonsense we do day to day. Mm-hmm. And each individual will be different, of course. But so continuous improvement, the reason I went off in that direction is because I, I truly believe in continuous improvement. I think that self-evaluation, company evaluation is an important process in our personal lives, in a, in a company's life. Because if you don't uh, look at the history especially the recent history of what you're doing as a company in course correct toward whatever mission statement or goals or whatever you have as a business, then you'll never, you'll never get there, Mm. right? You'll stagnate. So continuous improvement is important. So things like this, this ESG or CSR stuff or any of the multitude of, of things that make our world better. I am not against. No, I am against though the mandate of them. Well, let's because talk about I that. I think our, our, our competitive world will manage that process for us if we let it. Yeah. And we're not letting it. Well, and let's, let's, let's talk about that. So, so ESG specifically now, according to an article from August of 2022, which I believe if my notes are correct, it is from, from Real Clear Markets, August 2022, written by Scott Shepard. He talks about how ESG and the things that are associated with it are no longer holding China accountable. 
Quote, unquote, that story is predictably one of giant investment managers and lenders holding American publicly traded companies to debilitating and stifling politically policy-driven standards that they do not apply to private equity firms or to foreign companies which with which these managers and lenders happily deal. By delisting from American exchanges, which China did in August on a few on a small level, but they'll probably continue to do for going forward, these corporate arms of the Chinese government and therefore the Chinese Communist Party excuse themselves from having to submit to audits by the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board, PCAOB, a federal statutory oversight outfit. By moving now, the companies are also getting out before the SEC finalizes new disclosure rules that, as proposed, would force companies traded on American exchanges to make highly expensive and speculative carbon emission disclosures, including the emissions created by all of a company's suppliers, as you mentioned earlier. The big index funds get most of their exposure to these companies from securities traded on Chinese, not U.S. exchanges. In in the case of PetroChina, for example, American asset managers own about $150 million in depository receipts traded in the U.S., while top institutional holders, including Vanguard, BlackRock, and State Street, own 10 times more in shares, $1.5 billion, traded on the Hong Kong exchange. The major issue with this is that the SEC's carbon emission rules are largely expensive, some say illegal, and seemingly poorly thought out. A good portion of the SEC rules, which require companies to spend vast sums of money to collect and report information about their carbon and other emissions, seem to have little to no impact on the world's climate, something these rules supposedly are directed towards. It's this, a rules is, for thee and not for me. Yeah, and this is a this is a an in between business. It's it's a it's a middleman. It's it's a created. It, there was a perceived need for something, a regulation of some kind, an entire industry being created around that perceived need, mm-hmm. with underpinning assumptions that are incorrect. Yeah, that's what this is. Well, and and you know you mentioned you mentioned BlackRock and you know the the you know Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, is you know he's the largest asset manager that is BlackRock is. And he basically said his quote was behaviors are going to have to change. You have to force behaviors. And at BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors, Mm. forcing behaviors. Interesting. He said the quiet part out loud. That's what he did. And, and, you know, again, these are, these are entities that, that have the deepest pockets you could possibly imagine. Mm -hmm. So putting additional regulations, additional burdens on them, if it if if it costs them ten percent more as a company, they can do a couple of different things. Obviously, inflation will show you this is that they can push the, those price increases to the consumers of of whatever it is they're they're creating. And in the secondary aspect of it is is that they can um, continue to I don't know broaden the scope of these regulations anytime they want because other people can't handle that financially. Mm-hmm. at all yeah it's 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 a really disturbing way of hiding monopolization is what it is because because yeah. a lot of this this and look i i think there's partisanship on both ends i think democrats and republicans both say ridiculous things i think they both have partisanship they both have bias with that being said esg specifically Many of the ideas ideas come from partisan entities, such as the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosure, which is run by Mike Bloomberg. Either way, it seems as if ESG, much like CSR, is a guise for political and social elite to hide their partisan agenda behind. It's a measure of control, which, like all policy, will eventually make its way down to those who can't afford luxury homes, as you say, and can't afford expensive cars, and can't afford private jets, or $100,000 educations. 
So let me ask you something, both of you. Because these things are driven usually in two directions at the same time. It's kind of, you know, uh, uh, Sun Tzu's kind of, uh, you know, kind of philosophy. You, you, you it, Tactically in war, you attack on a couple of different fronts because you strategically have an advantage if you do things like that. And one front, of course, is all this regulation, government oversight, all the different things we've just been talking about. The other is financial. And what I mean by that is if you, because there are institutions out there, Standard & Poor's just talked about, they, they made an announcement that uh, ESGs are going to be, you know, there for the, for states soon. As it, when, because Standard & Poor's is the largest credit uh, association in the world. And they, they determine the credit for countries, hmm. whether the country has viable credit standards. And they're going to push that same standard down to states as well. And ESGs are going to be part of that. That, that. They announced it. And people like FICO said they will probably include evaluations of proper, property energy rating data for mortgage valuations in the near future. Now, this is, this is in my opinion, should be our next podcast. How this ESG stuff conflates with you know, the, the individual push for social scores. Because in essence, you're starting with a corporation and it's pushing down to the scope three, which is the indirect source, right? And I've talked about that in other podcasts, indirect source rule in the transportation industry. But one of those indirect sources is us as individuals mm-hmm. and how we're affected by that. And social credit scores. And I don't want to get into that today. That's another We'll, we'll do it for our next episode. Yeah. But when, when FICO starts talking about that, when the financial industries talk about that, what you realize is there's another there's another player in the game and that player is institutionalized individuals that get involved with these companies at a high level that have been educated over our terrible education system for the last 30 plus 40, 50 years that are now in places and positions of power that have integrated belief systems how, that you, you can't wash out of them. They're in positions of decision-making and their decisions are basing themselves around these ESG kind of parameters. So a financial institution says to big corporation A, unless you hit a score of 87 on the ESG score rate rating, or what if you have a, a where point in California for the indirect source rule for carbon emissions of X, unless you meet those, we either won't give you a loan or your loan will be 4% higher than the other guy. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do as a corporation? You're screwed. You You're going to do exactly what the fuck they say, or you don't start. One or the other. I mean, that, right? that's that's this is. You said you had a question for both of us, and associated with that. Ha, did I just? Yeah, you said you let me have a statement. question for both of us. Yeah. So okay, so I'm talking about the educational side of this. Mm-hmm. See, because I think that's the component that a lot of people are ignoring. There's all this pressure and power and economics and things like that. But there's also an aspect of this because they say that one of the reasons ESG is being pushed so hard is that the uh, millennials and generation Z, Z, X, whatever, that there's going to be trillions and trillions of dollars in investment into companies and that those cadre, those generations want so much this social consciousness to be integrated into into these companies' way of life, that that's why they're pushing it. I think that's false. It's bullshit. I think that people have been educated over the course of the last 50 years in such a way to to put these things at a higher priority than other things. Because well, well, 
to your point earlier, sorry to do this, but to your point earlier, these first world, second world countries, if you really want them to be successful economically, let them be. Let them freaking be. Yeah. All they have to do is use our example from the last hundred years, and they will catch up to us in no time. And here's here's the thing, because there's still not a question there, but I think the question is 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 you know what what we believe in that area. Look, I got a public school education, and I don't believe these things. When it comes to Beowulf mentioning that people are off base when predicting things, she mentioned it very slyly earlier. That's true. Most people think that there's like some, what, 25% of billionaires or people who are millionaires in the country or something ridiculous like that? Um, yeah, I can't remember. It was, I think, from CNBC. But yeah, yeah. it was it was like something ridiculous. crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, so there's an overestimation, which means that my opinion of this is that those people that come from those very special schools that have those very expensive degrees that are ultimately useless because they were lied to and then they believe the lie because that's what it comes down to. We all collectively lied to each other. I'll have it on the table. Everyone lied to each other and then everyone continued to lie to each other because they believed a lie that wasn't true in the first place, that you have to get a degree to be successful. And people say, well, we never said that. Well, you implied it. Just like, you know, people didn't really say that, you know, you're not a citizen if you uh, don't agree with the medical advisements of the president, but they kind of made it seem like you weren't one. So you don't have to say the loud shit out loud for it to be true. Um, so when it comes to that type of stuff, I don't think that a lot of people believe it. But I think the problem is a lot of people don't want to say anything. That's what I think. I think a lot of people don't want to say anything for fear of repercussion. It. I really I don't do. think it's true. Well, I, I think all you have to do is look at ideologies in other countries, their viewpoint of someone like the United States. I don't think it's true. There are a lot of people in countries like Iran that think very highly of Western civilization because there's, a, there's an inherent internal sense of freedom about looking even at the nonsense that occurs in the United States the freedom to speak, the freedom to do, right? But the people that are in power in those other places, what they do to make sure the next generation believes them, at least for the most part, there's always, you know, people that don't, but they indoctrinate the next generation. Mm -hmm. and, and you do that through what? Education. Yeah, but there's a myriad of people that go through that education that turn out to not believe those very things in our country specifically because well, there's other across choices. the seas so like i've had conversations with people in ireland that know more about our country than i know and i'm a citizen here so what does that say about americans it says a few things that their education is not as effective as it should be which tells me the indoctrination is not as effective as it should be well you can look at so the ccp you know why they haven't invaded taiwan yet in my opinion is because the people that they have educated and brought lots of money to one don't have kids to replace the people who would inevitably die in war and two don't want to go to war because it disrupts their daily life. Well, and the same thing occurs, in my opinion, when it comes to people who, to your point, think that they believe all these things. I think people only believe those things just to get along to go along. Let me give you a little more, one more example, though. Because we're all familiar with TikTok. Sure. We all know where it comes from. And if you study what they actually do, mm -hmm. if, if you saw TikTok in China, you wouldn't know it's TikTok. Yeah, it's different. It is totally about um, educating young and supporting the narrative that their country wants them to support. Yes. And what do they feed the United States? Something entirely different. The question I have in retort to you is how many people are active users on TikTok in the United know. States? I don't know. It's not, not as not much my as you generation, think. you know. It's not as much as you think. What is it's not it my then? generation either. Well, see, I'm see, just saying. See, the reality... My, my point is, is that 
it, it's it's an indoctrination effort. Sure, and that through, exists through mediums of communication. Uh-huh. We talk about that all the time. All it we talk about that all the time with the bias in the media, mm-hmm. legacy media or non-legacy media. We talk but, about all but, that stuff all the time. But again, this goes back to what we've talked about in relation to that. We got we got to end soon. We're we're going on a long one. This is two hours. Um, with that being like, Bale's like, oh yeah, this fucking conversation. Uh, <laughs> He's like, I'm hungry. Yeah, I'm tired of this. Um, uh, with that being said, we've talked about that. The media's influence, as much as people say that it's really really large. Their viewership is at an all-time low. It has been yeah, high. The idea is how you yeah, get your information. I understand. I don't care how but, it but is. But here's the thing. But here's the thing. People in my demographic and the demographic after us are less likely to believe things face value than they are of demographics before them. That statistically is true. Okay. If you're less so, likely so, to believe things so, that are face value, what do you believe? Nothing? Maybe. Okay. Or maybe so something that's not. Or right? maybe something that the narrative hasn't been said. Maybe something else. And I'm not to suggest, I think you're probably correct. It's probably apathy. But apathy, if pushed in a direction that's somewhat constructive, can go back to healthy skepticism. Happens all the time. People become absolutely terrible. They, they hate the life that they're in. They become apathetic with life. And then they realize, wait a second, something happened to me and I like life again. Happens all the time. I don't think things are monolith of, uh, I really don't think that. And I think when it comes to this, ESG, it's going to come to pass. It will. It'll come to pass. It already is. And same, 100%. And same with, uh, same with socialism. America will become a socialist country. I will tell you that right now. We'll become a socialist country. You know what's funny? Britain did that in the 1800s. Yeah. And it absolutely destroyed their economy. And you know what they did? They changed. And the same will happen here. Well, you know because what they the just instituted, though? Great Britain? Sure. They might have instituted something different. A health social score. Maybe. Which is seven years after the CCP did it. But here's, but here's the thing. Bull, to your point. These things, just like with things in the past about lauding founding fathers and all that jazz, they're not end-all, be-all. They might be there for, hell, they might be there for our lifetime. But the difference between America, as everyone knows, and the rest of the world, is there's a lot of guns here. (laughs) And if things don't work, America is likely to throw that shit in a bay and then burn down the city. So I have a observation. My speculation is this will come to fruition. And then things will get so absolutely bad that people will riot because they did it two years ago and they'll do it again. That's my speculation. And on that note, I think it's good to wrap up because we are exactly at two hours and 33 seconds without the intro. This is me looking at the roadcaster. Any more things to say about this depressing topic that is also fascinating at the same time? I've got a lot more to say, but I'm going to save it for next time. Next episode. (laughs) The downstream effect of ESG. Oh, it's going to be significant. It affects all of us as individuals. 100%. You're correct. Um, Okay, well, on that note, that wraps up the episode. Uh, Please don't end it all. Life is still good. Things will still get better. Things will be better. We'll probably only be paying 15%. uh, Message of hope. Yeah, we'll still be probably only paying 15% interest on our stuff next year. Um, But we hope that this episode has given you some insight into ESG and CSR. we probably have displayed our bias here, uh, but I don't care. These are my beliefs. This is my opinion. That's what this show is about. Um, and obviously, Beowulf and Bull have their opinions as well. But yeah, hopefully uh, you guys got some insight in this. And hopefully you will return next week when we talk about, uh, what were we going to talk about? Social credit score. Social credit score. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we talk about that next week. We should talk about that next week. Happy um, Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy yes. Thanksgiving. And thanks yes. again to the Wolf and Bull family for tuning in. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Wolf and Bull podcast with your hosts, the Wolf and Bull. 
If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all of the latest from The Wolf and Bull, you can tune in via our weekly episodes available on nearly every major listening platform. You can also follow us on Instagram at The Wolf and Bull. You can follow us on YouTube at The Wolf and Bull Podcast and at our website, thewolfandbull.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.